He is risen. Amen. So good morning <laughs> again. Um, if it's your first time joining us, if you're on YouTube, then welcome. You can find all of our talks on the kingdom on our website and YouTube channel. Um, so go and find them there. This morning, we remember and celebrate the greatest event in history, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all over the world, people were saying this morning, he is risen, as it says on here. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we come together today to celebrate your life and resurrection. We thank you for your willingness to go to the cross for us. And we acknowledge your risen living presence with us this Easter Sunday. Amen. Now, the big national holidays in Western culture, people make much more of Christmas than they do of Easter, don't they? Next slide, please. Apart from New York, maybe. <laughs> Easter bonnet parade in New York every year, uh, and it gets more and more bizarre every year, I think. Um, the next slide. But Christmas, yeah, much bigger than Easter. You know, we've got massive trees in Trafalgar Square and Times Square. We have trees decorated in our homes. Got lots of presents, you know, Christmas parties, work lunches, Christmas Day turkey with all the trimmings, the King's Speech, and the obligatory blonde film on TV. <laughs> Whereas Easter, for many, has reduced to chocolate eggs and roast lamb dinner. However, Easter is much more than this. As I said, Easter is the most important event in history. It's the pivotal moment in Christianity. And the empty tomb and Jesus' resurrection are the defining moments of our faith. He is risen, as we said at the beginning. We proclaimed in churches across this land and across the world, vicars and priests will shout in a loud voice, He is risen! And the people respond, He is risen indeed! Hallelujah! Thank you. And as a result, the kingdom that we've been studying since Christmas has broken through into our reality. Now, before we uh, go to our reading in Luke, let's just remind ourselves the events of the last week. Remember, as Bob said last Sunday, it's Palm Sunday, just a week before, Jesus had entered Jerusalem riding the colt of a donkey to shout of Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Next, Jesus and his disciples, they're in the upper room. They're celebrating the Passover, as Jesus said to them to do. But then it gets a bit weird, because he says somebody's going to betray him, one of them. And then he says, this is my blood shed for you. He gives them a glass of wine. And they're thinking, what's going on? Then he breaks the bread and he says, this is my body broken for you. And they're even more confused. Then they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is betrayed and arrested. And the disciples run scared. And you've got Peter's bitter tears as he realised that Jesus' words come true. He's denied him three times before the cock crows. And so against all their hopes in this Messiah, Jesus is crucified and he's dead on the cross. And so they all gather in the upper room, locked away, scared for their lives, wondering if they're going to be next. So just before we go to our reading, what type of book do you like to read? We've got a lot of you in our Monday book club. 
Um, is it crime thrillers? Is it thrillers themselves? Is it mysteries? Is it Mills and Boone romance novels? <laughs> or is it myth and legend? Well, I'm not a reader. My wife will attest to that. <laughs> I like watching films instead. I get a lot more out of that. But if I did read a book, it would be probably myth and legend or sci-fi, like Lord of the Rings, or especially the Narnia series by C.S. Lewis. Now, reading today, some would say, fall into the area of myth and legend and treat the empty tomb and the resurrection as just a nice myth that Christians made up to make themselves feel good. Well, C.S. Lewis, who was the writer of the Narnia series, was an academic, he was a chair at Oxford or Cambridge, I can't remember which one, he was a, an atheist for most of his life, but he became Christian. And he wrote another book called Mere Christianity. And in it he says this. I've read, and this is about the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus as recorded in Mark, Matthew, Luke and John. I've been reading myths and legends all my life. I know what they are like. None of them, the accounts of the Jesus' life and death and resurrection in the Gospels, are like this. They are historical reportage. It's an old word, isn't it? Um, they're historical reportage. Then he gets a little bit assertive and he goes on to say, and the reader who does not see that simply has not learnt to read. Which brings us to our reading. Luke 24, 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them that told this to the apostles. For they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. So, first point what did the women in our reading go to the, who went to the tomb that early morning after the Sabbath with their embalming spices? What did they expect to find? I mean, we're putting aside for a moment that they were going to a sealed tomb. How were they going to get in in the first place? What did they expect to find? They expected to find a dead body. None of them expected the tomb to be empty and to be told that Jesus had been resurrected. I mean, they'd seen him die on a cross, hanging there dead in front of them. So they were going with their spices to prepare a dead body. Because in their experience, people, apart from Lazarus, who Jesus rose from the dead, so Jesus was now dead, so how could it happen again? In their experience, people don't just get up and walk around a couple of days after they died. So now they're in total shock and confusion. And as I said earlier, the disciples and they had been hiding 
in the upper room, scared for their lives. Therefore, the women who turned up at the tomb, completely surprised, found what they didn't expect to find. Second point, it's the women who go to the tomb first and are told that Jesus is is risen from the dead. So they go back to the upper room and they tell the 11 remaining disciples and everybody else there what's happened and what they've been told by the two men, but the disciples don't believe them. In verse 11, they don't believe the women because their words seem like nonsense. Now, in our world today, women have a voice, but back then they didn't. Why did the disciples react like? Well, in first century Israel, women had no status as rational thinkers or trustworthy people, as reflected by the disciples' reaction, I think. All they did was gossip and talk nonsense most of the time, so this was probably most of the, more of the same. That was the prevailing view of the culture. So women weren't believed, and consequently they had no legal standing and were not allowed to even give evidence in court. But then in verse 12, Peter runs to the tomb and Ben and Obi saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself, wondering to himself what had happened. So when he gets there, he sees that what the women have said is true. Well, at least the part about the tomb being empty. So where was Jesus' body? Had the authorities taken it to stop Jesus' followers creating a shrine to their dead leader? And who in the culture of the day would believe that Jesus had been resurrected when women were the first witnesses? But all four Gospels recalled this as fact. And this is the very reason why we can believe the Bible accounts. Because if the resurrection had been made up as just a story, women were the last people that you would base its validity on. The reason all the Gospel accounts start with women seeing the empty tomb first and that Jesus' body was gone, was because they were. Simple as that. Then after the empty tomb, there are multiple personal encounters with Jesus. If we read on through the Gospel accounts, we see multiple accounts of Jesus making an appearance, and what the women said on that first early morning proved to be totally true. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene in the garden, in another Gospel account. He appears to the two on the road to Emmaus, twice to the disciples who were locked in the upper room. Second time. Second time out, is it? Hello, Rob. The second time, uh, so that Thomas could believe, then to Paul on the Damascus Road, and later to over 500 followers all at the same time. All of these people, after the empty tomb, had an experience of meeting this man Jesus, who probably all have seen him die on the cross. My battery's going up. I'll leave that one. Hello. That's better. Should I go back to that? So if we read on in the Gospel accounts, we see multiple accounts of Jesus making an appearance to Mary Magdalene in the garden, to the two on the road to Emmaus, twice to the disciples in the upper room, one for Thomas, alone really, so that he would believe, to Paul on the Damascus Road, and then later to over 5,000 followers at the same time. All of these people 
after the empty tomb, had an experience of meeting this man Jesus, who they'd all probably seen die on the cross. And the reality that Jesus was really alive began to sink in as they began to realize and understand that something far greater was happening than their original expectation of the Messiah would be and what his kingdom was going to be, something far bigger. So what is the significance of the empty tomb? The Jewish expectation of the Messiah was a conquering king who would kick the Romans out of Israel and save them from the occupation. And the disciples were no different. So while Jesus was going around teaching, healing the sick, and as he approached Jerusalem, their expectation for Jesus was this type of Messiah. But now they begin to understand all that Jesus has said while he was with them and travelling around. The penny begins to drop. That Jesus hadn't come to save the day and save Israel for the Romans. He came to save and redeem everything and everyone. The kingdom that Jesus is bringing into being is far greater than they could ever imagine or comprehend. N.T. Wright says this of the resurrection. The resurrection completes the inauguration of God's kingdom. It is a decisive event demonstrating that God's kingdom really has been launched on the earth as it is in heaven. The message of Easter is that God's good news has been unveiled in Jesus Christ and that you're now invited to belong to it. Unfortunately, as you read on into the letters of Paul, we see that doubt begins to creep in about the truth of Jesus' resurrection. And people begin to deny it, like so many have done through history. But if the resurrection was not real, all other Christian theology and belief falls like a row of dominoes. Next slide, please. If there's no resurrection, then there can't be any forgiveness of sin, can there? If there's no forgiveness of sin, then there's no salvation and grace is non-existent. What's the point in believing Jesus himself? Why be baptised? Well, if Jesus isn't the Son of God, then there's no Trinity either. So if there's no Trinity and there's no Jesus, there's no resurrection, what's the point of the Bible? Without the resurrection, none of the rest of it's true. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sin, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we're of all people to be most pitied. As I said at the beginning, the empty tomb and the resurrection is not a myth like other world religions or Lord of the Rings or the Chronicles of Narnia. It really happened. As we said, Mary Magdalene saw him. The two disciples on the road saw him. All the disciples in the upper room saw him. Paul saw him. And 500 followers saw him. The resurrection is the most important event in the whole of human history. And it's the pivot that kingdom theology that we've been talking about since Christmas. The life, the death, 
and the resurrection of Jesus and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit revolve around. The message of Easter is that God's new world has been unveiled in Jesus Christ and that you are invited to belong to it. So to conclude, Easter isn't about chocolate eggs and lamb dinners. It's about the empty tomb and the resurrection of Jesus and the breaking in of God's kingdom. All other leaders of religion are dead and still in their tombs. Jesus' tomb is empty. He's alive today. The resurrection isn't a myth. It's historical fact verified by eyewitnesses. If Jesus didn't rise, then everything else in Christianity is a lie. And there's no resurrection, there's no forgiveness of sin. And we of all people are to be most pitied. But death isn't the end, as Jesus has proved. It's just a doorway to eternal life. Just as Jesus rode from the dead, so shall all who put their trust in him. The message of Easter is that God's new kingdom has been unveiled in Jesus Christ. And you are invited to belong to it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, that even in your darkest moment, you stayed obedient to your father's plan and gave your life so that we could live. And thank you, God, for the empty tomb and for raising Jesus from death to life so that we can live with you and him and the Holy Spirit in the kingdom that Jesus brought into being. Amen. And I just want to finish with this because this is what we sang at the beginning. Death could not hold you, the veil torn before you, you silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring the praise of your glory, for you are raised to the life again. You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever God you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. Amen. So thank you for listening. You can find more about us on our website and it's www.gracevineyard.co.uk and now we're going to stop the live stream.